0: Pastor Ed Taylor makes this observation. Today in our society where you and I live and breathe and mow our lawns, you know, and where we shop and whatever we end up watching on TV or a commercial that comes, whatever, we live in a society that's wholly given over themselves to the things of the flesh. People live to satisfy the very things that are destroying them, have you noticed? And marriages are destroyed and Christians are, are backslidden and children are ruined and lives are ending, why? Because the world sees something that's bad and he calls it good. And sees something that's good and says, no, that's bad. Because we're living in days very similar to the book of Judges where everyone, at the end of the book of Judges, you'll see everyone was doing that which was right in their own eyes.
1: This is amazing You can't get too far in life before you realize there's an enemy within. But then to hear there's a way to change, really change. Wow, what a difference that would make. Imagine the possibilities. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll do just that. We've come in our study of 2 Corinthians to chapter 7. It's there we learn about the implications of the new covenant and the potential to live a life with no regrets. So let's join Pastor Ed Taylor in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 as he begins today's helpful lesson.
0: As I was praying over this, this part of the flesh, you know, I, many many weeks ago, I was reminded of that Denver Post article uh, that came out. They did a sting in our country. They did a sting the the article titled, and I quote, child prostitution. Raids rescue 105 children Remember that? I used it in a previous message That's why it was fresh on my mind I was probably preparing this study back in July And it said A couple excerpts from the article It was dated uh, July 29th 2013 The young people in the roundup, almost all of them Girls ranged in age 13 to 17 The largest number of children Rescued in the weekend initiative operation Cross country were in San Francisco Bay, Detroit areas along with Milwaukee, Denver, And New Orleans. He said almost all the victims in sweeps like the one over the weekend are girls, and that the profiles of the victims cut across racial lines and the boundaries of wealth. The FBI said that the campaign has resulted in rescuing 2,700 children since 2003, and the investigators and convictions of the investigations and convictions of 1,350 individuals have led to life imprisonment for 10 pimps and the seizure of more than $3.1 million in assets. That's our city. That's not, I know San Francisco was mentioned in Detroit, uh, New Orleans, and Milwaukee, but that's our city. That's us. That's the metro area here. That part of the 105 kids between 13 and 17 that were being pimped out Um, in prostitution on the streets of Denver. Some of them are right here on the streets of Denver, maybe up and down Colfax or around 16th Street Mall or who knows where. I don't know. Wherever that stuff is, that's our city. And you go, Ed, what's the connection? I'm not looking at uh, child pornography. You know, those kids grow up. That's all they know. They've been separated from their family and they've learned that they can make a quick buck. They grow up. They grow up and they begin to graduate into other places where they can make more money. And these girls, this trafficking, this human trafficking, which isn't just an issue overseas, but in our own country, are what many pornography companies use when they come of age to produce that stuff that you're fleshly satisfying yourself, boys and girls. And all the while, you're just being ripped off for not living in the spirit. And these poor kids... These poor, you know, 18-year-old to me as a kid, I don't care what the law says, you know, they're a kid, they're young. I know you're, you 18-year-olds you, you go, That's that dude, I don't like him, you know. I am not. I don't mean it derogatory at all. I just mean, man, you still need someone to help you and support you and encourage you and, and have a covering over you until you get married. And, um, you know, just help you grow up and not be taken advantage of. That's what I mean. I don't mean it in any bad way. When I say kid, I just see someone that needs to be protected and guarded and helped and not get sold into prostitution or pornography. We've done a lot of mission work ourselves as a church in other countries standing in the gap trying to help the horrendous sex trade of precious human beings, boys and girls, men and women. But the work is not just there, it's also here. You know, Katie Katie was out in Thailand for many, many years, a couple years serving right on the front lines. Dave is going back to a very similar area. And no doubt, as the Lord allows him to plant Calvary Chapel in Bangkok, that a lot of his ministry is going to be ministering to these folks. Helping rescue them and teach them a trade. Tell them that, I know your mom and dad sold you, but God loves you. I can't even imagine what it would feel like to be sold by your parents. But there's always someone to take advantage of that. If you're not into pornography then whatever fleshly thing you're feeding stop it, I beg you because with every fleshly thing, with a little bit of research, we could find just as much damage it would just take a little bit of research, a little bit of googling and we could see, well you know, it started here, but look at the end result, look at how it all ties together, look how the world works and how they take advantage of people even as you're sitting in front of your screen or looking at your little smartphone you're being taken advantage of you're being ripped off from the fullness of what you could have in relationship with your Father. You live under severe condemnation. You suppress the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You live literally in an unconfessed, unrepentant sin that just eats you up inside. And God has so much more for us. You know, it's unfortunate because... Today in our society, where you and I live and breathe and mow our lawns, you know, and where we shop and whatever we end up watching on TV or a commercial that comes, whatever, we live in a society that's wholly given over themselves to the things of the flesh. People live to satisfy the very things that are destroying them. Have you noticed? And marriages are destroyed and Christians are, are backslidden and children are ruined and lives are ending. Why? because the world sees something that's bad and he calls it good and sees something that's good and says no that's bad because we're living in days very similar to the book of Judges where everyone at the end of the book of Judges you'll see everyone was doing that which was right in their own eyes and if we're not careful the world will rub off on us or we will think that there's an exception for us and the wages of sin is always the same did you know that? It never changes. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Not always physical, but ultimately. So isn't that amazing, just one verse? The power of Paul's heart, where if you read too fast, you might miss a few little tidbits that the Spirit of God would have for us. And again, if you're not, if pornography is not your thing, then, then don't, don't get hung up and go, well, man, I'm okay because I don't, I don't have a pornography problem. Don't, we all have a flesh problem. That's why we don't want to feed our flesh. We want to feed the spirit in our lives. And so now, verse 2, you can hear the heart of Paul. It's out of relationship. Don't get the picture of some finger-pointing, you know, apostle coming down on them. It's not. He says, open your hearts to us. We haven't wronged anyone. We've corrupted no one. We've defrauded no one. Remember, there were people there that were accusing Paul of doing really bad things, taking advantage of the church. There were false teachers, false prophets. They wanted to take advantage of the church and says, I do not say this to condemn. And isn't that true? Isn't that true that um, when you receive um, difficult news, there is a tendency to feel condemned? There's another word for that at times. It's not always the same, but you have to watch out for it. you may not feel condemned, but a similar feeling is feeling defensive. And I always know when, when I get defensive, I, I may not fully agree with everything that's being said, but when I get defensive, there's definitely a problem. I'm not quite sure what it is. It could be exactly what the person's telling me or what Marie's telling me um, or one of the guys around me, or it may be exactly what they're telling me or it may be a portion. But if I get defensive, then I'm pushing someone away. When I, get, when I feel like I'm being condemned, then I pull myself away. I just go inward. I feel condemned. It breaks relationship. We don't listen anymore. And he says, I'm not condemning you. And he always appeals to relationship. He's like, I'm not a kid. Just open your heart to me. Just hear me out. That's what you would say to someone. Would you just hear me out? Would you just hear, would you just listen to me? And if, and if you get so bad where you can't listen to one, one another anymore, you, you, you just ask, can we get somebody else to help us? Because we obviously are not connecting. Can we just, maybe they can help us connect and explain our words, but will you just hear me out? He says, I'm not condemning you, verse 3, for I've said before that you're in my heart to die together and to live together. Man, we're in this all the way, Paul says. Great is my boldness of speech toward you, And great is my boasting on my behalf. And I am filled with comfort. And I'm exceedingly joyful in all our tribulations. See, he recognizes we're going through this together. And he's bold. And, you know, you can be bold with people that you're close to. You can stand strong. You go, man, you know, God's put you in your life. You have a friendship. You can be bold. And he says, I know, I I use bold speech. But I love you. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to help you. Verse 5. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia... Our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts and inside were fears. Notice how Paul is saying in in his humanity, he's dealing with fears and conflicts and he associates it with his flesh because the Lord would have us to be confident and not fearful in the spirit. So he says, nevertheless, verse 6, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. Now, when Paul wrote the first letter, we know it's 1 Corinthians, when he wrote that letter, it was through that very difficult time where he, it was hard for him because it was a corrective. There were a lot of problems in the church since Paul left, and he wrote a strong corrective letter. And in that letter, it was, a, it was really a rebuke. There were a lot of things going on. You know, there was a huge one, like the leadership of the church was approving that sexual sinful relationship uh, where a son uh, was having sexual relations with his dad's new wife. You know, it was just bizarre. And the church wasn't bringing any kind of church discipline or anything. They were just approving of it. And the end result, because of his lack of repentance, is he was under church discipline and he had to go outside of the church until he repented. And I'm sure, having had to deliver difficult news myself, and not always um, successful at it, that he had second thoughts. (laughs) It's like, oh, did I write too much? Was it too hard? You know, we'll see him go back and forth with that as you read the rest of the letter. Um, Was I representing Jesus properly? Did Did I cause pain, concern? And he had fears, it says, and conflicts. We just had no rest. Not only no rest of all the spiritual warfare, but things were on his mind. Do you guys ever walk around with things on your mind? Just carrying around. Nobody knows. We don't, we, don't, we don't know what's on your mind. Like right now, what's on your mind? You didn't have dinner before, after, after work, and so there's a Chipotle burrito on your mind spinning. <laughs> I can see those. They're above you. But just on your mind, you know, you carry, especially you guys that are thinkers. I'm a thinker, and so... You know, my mind never shuts off. It doesn't even shut off. I dream thinking, you know, it's, it never shuts off. It's just how God made me. So he has to literally give me a peace that passes understanding. And I literally have to accept it and ask him to shut my mind down and just rest in him. I, I watch and one of the men that I admire and I've studied the most in the scriptures besides Jesus is Paul. And I just see a lot of characteristics in Paul that I share with him. And so I I, I can see his conflicts and fears, but God comforts the downcast. He was also discouraged in verse 6. And the way that he was encouraged and the way that he was comforted was by this brother Titus. Titus was the deliverer of the letter uh, to the Corinthians. And when Titus returned to Paul after much time... He comforted Paul, so it was hard, and they did take it hard. But Titus found stuff to encourage Paul with, and I love personally. I love to be encouraged. I'm surrounded by such difficulty all the time, and all you know, just those. It's just so much stuff that I love to be encouraged. It's just great. I I love this. This is exactly, this is exactly what anyone that's discouraged likes. They want to be encouraged, and it came from Titus. And and so I don't want you to miss Titus because we often refer to Titus and Timothy kind of like the same way. You know, Paul had a Timothy and Paul had a Titus. And we'll often refer to that as Paul was raising up men in the ministry. He was discipling them. Just like Jesus had his 12, Paul had men around him as well. And the two that are most popular are Titus and Timothy because they both, Paul wrote letters to them. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. They were close to him. They served alongside of him. Not, not, they weren't close, like they were always hung out with him because they were all over the place, spread out. Titus wasn't with them for many months because he delivered. So it's not like that, but they were co-laborers in the Lord. They enjoyed serving. So Titus was a learner. He was a disciple of Paul. And I want you to know that God uses anyone to bring you encouragement. Titus. God uses anyone. To bring encouragement to us, I think sometimes we have this sense that only I don't know who we would think is important people can encourage us. I mean, I think I think if I don't have any relationship whatsoever with Chuck Swindoll, but it would be really cool to get a call from him. Hey uh, Ed, I heard you're downcast, and just want to give you a word today. And I'm <laughs> like, dude, you've been giving me a word for 20 years. How'd you get my phone number, man? Thank you. <laughs> I mean, listen to you all the time. <laughs> You know, or a Charles Stanley or someone that we look up to. And I think it would be. I I don't want to minimize that. It is great to um, receive a call or a note from someone that you admire, uh, that you look up to. Um, But what if it's Titus that God has for you to bring? He's going to bring encouragement. Is Titus not good enough? Does it have to be Chuck Swindoll? Is that the only one that can encourage you? I mean, because it's such a difficult time that really only, only Chuck Swindoll can deliver a word. Or do you have in your mind someone that maybe isn't known? I'm mentioning some Bible teachers on the radio, um, you know, of course, personal people that have blessed me um, in my teaching and discipleship, but maybe it's a person. Maybe you've isolated. Only you know, I'm only gonna be encouraged if this person calls me or if this person and God is saying to us that he'll use people like Titus to encourage you. you now Titus is no heavyweight, he's no Paul, but he's a man of God. And where did we ever get this idea that some people in the kingdom of God are heavyweights and some are not? Some are more important than others. Certainly we see that God uses people more than others, but nobody's more important than anyone else. And if God has sent you a word of encouragement, take it. Be comforted. It'd be amazing if we got, oh, wait a minute, I got a text, hold on. Oh, Chuck Swindoll was listening to the message. (laughs) I mean, come on. No way. But if I received an encouraging note or even the Lord himself would just come to me in the night, I don't need to wait for that phone call for, man, I have the Lord. And there's Titus's and Timothys and, and Joes and Marys and Sarahs and just waiting to be used to the Lord in your life. And we just pass by the people that God put in our life that could be the very encouragement in your life. We don't take advantage of the community of believers. We don't take advantage of relationship in our church and the people that God has put into our lives. We don't send the text when God prompts us to send the text or just send an encouragement. Because you might be on the other side, like, oh, I won't be much of encouragement to them. They don't know me or I just met them. But the Lord gave you a word. The Lord gave you a verse the Lord impressed somebody on your mind that you weren't thinking about one second earlier. I would say that's pretty significant. And all that's really left is for you to obey and be that Titus in someone's life. Not only to be it, but to expect it. It doesn't have to be someone who we deem so important. I mean, I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. In his deepest, most difficult, sorrowful time, in such agony, our Jesus was sweating drops of blood the capillaries in his brain were hemorrhaging because, and mixing with the sweat, he was so in agony, crying out before the cross. And as he was praying, who came to help him? Do you remember? Angels. Angels came to help him. And then remember Jesus. Remember who Jesus is, okay? Jesus could have easily said, you know, I'm above Angels. I'm more important than angels. I I don't need the help of angels. I created you, God. I created you. How can I, the creator, receive encouragement from my creation? By choice. The angels comforted him. He received the ministry and the comfort of angels in his deep crisis. And so, too, Paul received this encouragement from Titus Because Paul understood that the Lord will oftentimes come to us with that unexpected person in an unexpected time and in unexpected ways. We think we have it all figured out, which can be such a detriment. Remember in Mark chapter 6, they said this. We know him. He's the carpenter's son. But they were wrong. He was the son of God. They They saw the wrong thing in him. Or in John chapter 20, Mary's weeping at the tomb. She mistook, she mistook the Lord for a gardener. She didn't see clearly. Or on the road to the Emmaus, the travelers thought Jesus was a stranger. Or on the Sea of Galilee, they thought Jesus was a ghost. They, they missed him. Trying to figure out what they're seeing that was unusual, they missed Jesus. It's not unusual to miss the messenger of God, that Jesus would come to you personally and comfort you and encourage you and strengthen you while we're waiting. We just, pass it, we just pass it by while we're waiting for someone or something else. Don't miss your Tituses. And don't miss out on the privilege of being one. And you say, "Ed, well, Ed, I don't know anyone to encourage. I don't even know anyone's problems. That's a problem for you, isn't it? Because it's just a simple, I'll give you a simple thing. You can find out a lot about people. I'll give you a simple tool. You might want to write it down. I don't believe or unbeliever, neighbor, person that's at King Super is the one that's stalking the shelves in Safeway. If, if they don't give you information from this, you get a money back guarantee. And I'll come back and I'll give you a second one. But you want to know something about someone, look them in the eye and say this How can I pray for you? You'd be amazed. I don't know, even the most hardcore God-haters have seasons in their life where they'll appreciate prayer. Maybe they don't admit it, and it's like, I don't need anybody to pray for me. But so what's going on if you don't need anyone? What's going on in your life? Very rarely will someone give you a major resistance when you just say, hey, you know what? Here we are. You know, we're waiting in line. And, and I, how can I pray for you? you? go, dude, you're weird, man. You just ask everybody that question. As a matter of fact, I'm learning to do that because I want to learn from God how to have a sensitivity to the people around me. Imagine how far you can go all the way to the cross with that question. And say, well, what do you mean you want to pray for people? Yeah, you know, because Jesus, he died for me. Do you know Jesus? I mean, you can share the gospel in 30 seconds with that question and get a few things and say, hey, you know, do you have an email or anything? I can give you a text. I can give you a shoot, shoot, just if God ever puts a scripture on me or just want to stay in touch. But it's so easy just to go through life waiting for the big thing, waiting for the next thing, and missing what the thing is right in front of us. The opportunity is right there. And so Titus, you know, he's no big shot. We use that terminology because we understand it. He's no big shot. He's, he's not somebody that would be very impressive. Not many people knew him, but he was very special to Paul. Why? Because he had a relationship They were buddies. They served together. They went to spiritual battle together. And I quote this from uh, John Corson. It says, many people miss out waiting for a pastor or a prophet because they fail to recognize the Lord in the person sitting right next to them. Wow. The Spirit of God dwelling in you.
1: Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor has been in the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going through the epistle from start to finish. To hear today's message again, go to calvaryco.church. And we have a couple of apps we'd like to recommend that are free and available on all platforms. This is another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings, including this present series in 2 Corinthians. Search for Calvary Aurora and download our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app, too. At Abound in Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to people all across the world. But we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come alongside us with financial and or prayerful support. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. And if you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit calvaryco.church or call 877-30-GRACE. And as you give $25 or more today, we'll say thanks by sending you contented in all things peace peace. Does contentment seem sort of like an elusive target to you? We live in a world that pushes us to always strive for more and never be satisfied with what we have. That certainly doesn't help matters, does it? But the Lord wants us to experience true contentment and peace, and it can happen, and the Bible points the way. Allow Pastor Jeff Guipe to reveal the pathway to contentment to you in this book called Contentment. Call 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryco.church on the web to make a secure donation. We'll get right back into 2 Corinthians tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace